our peace. Let's not get it boiled down and cheapened to calmness. Let's not wait for this fictional place where everything goes right because that is never coming. Our peace is in the knowledge that God himself loved us so much that he came to this earth as a baby to be Emmanuel, God with us. Well, there has been a song that has been going through my head a lot this year. It is a song by Amy Grant that I have been singing to myself all Christmas season. And the chorus says this, and you're gonna see it on the screen in just a second. I need a silent night, a holy night, to hear an angel voice through the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here to end this crazy day with a silent night. I shared in our December newsletter that I just haven't been feeling very merry and bright this year, which is abnormal for me. I mean, you heard me talking about being excited for Christmas in September because I am ha one person who would happily keep the tree up 365, well, no, okay, maybe it would come down for a week when Christmas is done and then it can go back up. I normally feel very merry and bright at Christmas, but there's just something this year that feels so heavy. I mean, we just have to watch the news and see the toll that is being taken on people worldwide. And on top of that heaviness that I honestly am not really sure that we can shoulder as humans, understanding the weight and the heaviness and the turmoil of the entire world, but our phones have given us. I look at it and I feel so helpless to do anything. And I so desperately want to because watching these images of people whose lives have been completely decimated break my heart. And it feels like our world is lacking peace no matter where you look. And on top of that heaviness, we all have family and friends who are walking through heavy things. Or maybe you yourself are walking through something that is just so hard. And the struggle and stress of it makes this Christmas one that doesn't feel merry or bright. It makes this Christmas one that feels like the opposite of peace. Do you feel it? That heaviness? But here's the thing. Your heavy will look different than my heavy because your loved ones have different names than mine. Your struggles and their struggles are going to be different than the ones that I'm personally walking through. And so heavy looks different, but
but the challenge is the same. And so maybe in your own way, you've been singing this song and not knowing it. I need a silent night, a holy night, to hear an angel voice through the chaos and the noise. I need a midnight clear, a little peace right here, to end this crazy day with a silent night. And we're going to talk about peace today. You know, peace is a word that, for me, a visual learner, comes with a lot of imagery. Maybe it's that soft falling snow or just the contentment of a sleeping baby. Maybe it's other emotions like calm or serenity that come to mind when you think of peace, that sense that everything is going to be okay. And this morning, we're going to dive into when we see this name for Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that it is your word to us. It reveals you to us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the one who makes the Bible come to life. You're the one who allows it to sink deep into our spirit and to reveal to us where we have stepped astray. So, God, this morning, would you bring us back to your heart of peace? Would you show us where we have gotten it all mixed up and cheapened peace into something it never was? Would you be near this morning? We love you. In your precious name, amen. These are beautiful verses. I love them. I mean, we have Christmas decorations. We have plaques that we put up around this time of season with this. And I don't doubt the word of God, but what do we do when it feels like there is no peace? What do we do when we read words like this and we see the atrocities that are being committed in our world? What do we do when we're looking ahead at two weeks and we know that there are going to be family members not at the table because of conflict in our own homes? What do we do with words like this when we look at a world that feels so lacking in peace? What do we do when we ourselves are filled with rage or anxiety? What do we do? Sorry, they're just doing this great obstacle course over there. Um, and so as you hear the giggles, just, just smile to yourself. 
that our kids' ministry team is amazing. Thank God for them, and we'll move on. What do we do when life isn't still or calm or full of contentment? Does that nullify the word of God? Does that take Isaiah 9-6 and prove it false? That the Prince of Peace who came to bring peace has failed somehow? Well, perhaps the problem is that we've done to peace what we do often to joy. We've taken this deep thing, this deep truth, this deep emotion, this deep understanding of who we are created in the image of God and we have cheapened it. We've tarnished it. We've made it something less than it is. Because just as joy is not happiness, it's so much richer and deeper and fuller than that, peace is not calm. Peace is not contentment. Peace is not serenity. Peace is not an absence of conflict. Peace is not absence at all. It's presence. It's the fullness of God. It's a completeness that only comes in us and with us through Jesus. Through this reconciliation with God. Peace is not absence. Peace is fullness found where Jesus is as he reconciles and restores us to what we were designed for. I don't know about you, but I fully bought into the lie. I look at the Christmas season and it, it feels so busy. And then all of a sudden, you've had it happen, where nothing is on your calendar. And you just think to yourself, oh, what a peaceful week. I had margin this week. I was able to rest this week. No one was sick this week. Wouldn't that be a Christmas miracle right now? It just feels so peaceful. But was it? Was peace just a lack of need? Was peace just boiled down to stillness and simplicity? Because that has been proven false over and over and over again in the scriptures. Last week, Lucas shared the origin of Isaiah 7, where Emmanuel, God with us, comes from. And this like group of verses coming in Isaiah 9 just comes on the heels of it, these messianic prophecies. And if you weren't here, head on over to YouTube. It's up there. And I won't repeat what he taught so well. But these verses are coming from a place of incredible hardship for the nation of Israel. There's this tug of war that's happening within them. Do they follow God, Yahweh, or do they follow the false gods around them? And we see their arrogance. We see that they've forgotten who they depend on. And this book is full of correction and hope that this Redeemer is coming, that the Messiah, the promised one of God, is going to restore 
all things, but first, but first they need to walk through the consequences of their choice. But first they need to face the invaders. But first they're going to go through incredible hardship. Was God absent? No. He reiterated his promise, which brings us to the first Christmas, when peace was born as a man. That Christmas, when these verses were fulfilled, that silent night that we just sung about. And maybe that's part of the problem of us getting it all twisted. Now, we're having some computer difficulties, so you won't see them, but they'll be online. So if you want to go online later, fast forward about five minutes, and then you can see the images of the paintings painted throughout history of this first Christmas. Do you know what they all include? Utter calm. What a joke. I have been in a barn. Oh, perfect, there's a few. I have been in a barn, and I have given birth. Let me tell you. There's no calm. There's no calm in either one of those things. A silent night as a woman was in labor? No, there's no silence. A silent night with a newborn baby? No, there's no silence. A silent night in a cave barn on the edge of a city that is overflowing to the point where there are no beds anywhere for an expecting mother? There's no silence. And if there was, the angels just sent a bunch of shepherds to go find Jesus. So if he had fallen asleep and was calm and contented, they just woke him up. This is not a silent, peaceful scene. I'm sure it was loud. I'm sure it was messy. I mean, what would Mary have felt holding her at most days old baby when those on the very edge of society come barging into her delivery room? Did she feel very peaceful? Did she feel frantic in that moment? What about Joseph, who finds out that his betrothed is expecting? And now all of those sideways glances and speculation and rumors are going to be thrown at his doorstep. Would he have felt very peaceful? Not if we change out the synonyms to make it calm, to make it still, to make it lacking hardship or turmoil. Fast forward 33-ish years, and the nation of Israel is ready for some peace. They've walked through those consequences of the tug of war. They have been tossed back and forth to invading nations. And now here 
comes Jesus fulfilling all these prophecies from Isaiah, from Zechariah. He's fulfilling them all, these messianic prophecies. And he walks into this moment clearly announcing himself by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. I am the Prince of Peace. I am the Messiah, the one who's going to restore all things so that your life can be easy. That's what they thought, right? Here comes our Redeemer. Here comes our Savior. He's going to throw off our oppressors. He's going to come in as our conquering hero and make life easy. Hosanna, save us. And just like we often do when Jesus came to do something deeper and more, the anger welled up. What do you mean you're going to die? What do you mean you want our hearts and not our circumstances? What do you mean this is not what you promised? And I do the same thing. When I cry out to Jesus about my circumstances, God, do you see the hurt around me? Save me. And the Prince of Peace comes not to change what's around, but to change me. And so often, instead of seeing the deeper miracle, I feel abandoned. What do you mean? Let's walk through a hypothetical. Let's say my family is walking through a hard time. Finances are tight. I go to a job I dread. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids don't speak to us. And here's Christmas. Woohoo! Coming up. And then, as it always does, when things are tight, something breaks, right? Washing machine, dishwasher, fridge, without fail. And life just feels like one low blow after another. And I don't know where to turn to. I don't know what to do. Nothing drives us to our knees better than a crisis. And so I stop and I pray. God, something has to give. Will you calm the storm? Will you bring peace? And here's the clincher. He still gives us free will. He still gives the people we're praying about free will. Which is so silly because we're not good at free will. Like, let's be honest. But it's still a gift that God gives us. I believe that in our prayers, God starts working and massaging the hearts of people. I believe God is a great reconciler who can do anything, who can mend anything. But what if, 
what happens. So as we pour our heart out to God, he gives us the strength to keep loving our family when they're unlovable. What if he gives us the strength and the patience to keep going to work, to keep showing up when we don't want to? What if he gives us the alarm bells of wisdom that when we want to go on and do that online checkout, he says, mm, not a good idea. And what would help us in the moment would get us right back into the same situation in the long term. And instead, God starts to do something in us that's lasting and enduring. He brings peace to our spirit. He brings wholeness to us. If we misunderstand peace, we'll be tempted to throw our hands up. Say, but God, this isn't what I asked for. Just like the nation of Israel. If we misunderstand peace, then we'll be tempted to miss the Prince of Peace when he shows up in our story. And you know what? That feeling of that something's not right here it's supposed to be there because something's not right here. You were designed for the perfection of Eden. You were designed for a relationship with God where you could walk just like Adam and Eve did in the coolness of the evening with him. All of this, of the evil of the human heart, of watching the absolutely disgusting ways we can harm each other, something's not right here because this wasn't part of the story. We chose it. And that longing for peace, that longing for God to take our situations and smooth them all out, that's our design. Because we're waiting for heaven when everything will be set right. When there will not be sickness or tears or death or sorrow or conflict. It's design. But don't get frustrated when it's not perfect now. It will be. Because peace isn't absence. It's presence. For to us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince has an interesting imagery in this word in Hebrew in this verse. You know, when I think prince, I kind of think second in command, like following the orders of the king. And that's absence from, absent from this word in Hebrew. It means prince, one who gives an order and everybody jumps to obey. Commander, the one in control, the one who speaks and is listened to. So a better translation might be the commander of peace. The commander of shalom. 
Shalom is a beautiful word that has really no English equivalent. Have you heard the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? Do you know the story of It Is Well With My Soul? Horatio Spafford was quite a wealthy businessman, a realtor. In the great Chicago fire, he lost nearly all of his fortune. And then his four-year-old son dies. And in the pain of both losses, Horatio and his wife decide that what they're going to do is they're going to go on vacation to England. And Horatio's not able to go with them, and so he sends them ahead, and he's going to follow behind. Only the ship that his wife and daughters are on sinks, and only his wife survives. And on the voyage across the Atlantic, he pens these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. I don't know how to translate shalom better than that. It is this wholeness that comes from understanding who we are. It is a wholeness that is found in the presence of God that says it doesn't matter what our circumstances look like. You are secure. It doesn't matter what's coming tomorrow. You are secure. You are whole. You are reconciled to God. So regardless of what happens in your human body, regardless of what happens with your human bank account, regardless of what happens with your human relationships, you have hope. You are perfectly held because peace is not absence, it's presence. Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21 read, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our peace, let's not get it 
boiled down and cheapened to calmness. Let's not wait for this fictional place where everything goes right because that is never coming. Our peace is in the knowledge that God himself loved us so much that he came to this earth as a baby to be Emmanuel, God with us. That he's here with us now and that he made a way for us to be restored to himself through the cross so that no one could boast. It's knowing that we are completely secure in him, completely held in him, as 2 Thessalonians 3.16 tells us. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. If peace is deeper than an absence of conflict or hardship or sorrow or trial, that peace is proved in the Bible. That peace was held by a teenage boy on a battlefield as he stared down a giant with a slingshot and stones. That peace was proved by more teenage boys as they stood in a fiery furnace. That peace was proved through a young man in a lion's den. That peace was proved as our blessed Savior hung on a tree. Because peace, the peace that Jesus brings is not the absence of conflict. It is the fullness of God living in us, in our story. But I want to ask you a question. Are you looking for calm? Or are you looking for peace today? I had to sit with that one this week. What am I actually asking of God? Am I looking for calm? Do I just want him to erase all of the hard edges off of life? Or am I looking for peace? Am I looking for his presence? Do I want stillness? Or do I want a savior? Do I want freedom from pain? I acknowledge the greater gift of freedom from sin and death. If we're looking for calm, we're going to be frantic. If we're looking for calm, we will scurry back and forth, putting out fire here, fire there, manipulating things here. Here's the thing, you can find calm on your own. You're smart people. You're likable. You don't need Jesus for that. But you won't be at peace. 
Or do you want peace? See, if we want calm, our gaze will forever be fixed outside of us, but not on him. If we want calm, we will forever be watching for the places where things are stepping out of line. Analyzing, evaluating, it's exhausting. But if we want peace, it only comes in one place. So if we want peace, our gaze can only stay in one place, and that is fixed firmly on our Savior. If we want peace, it doesn't matter what's happening out here because that's not where peace is found. Peace is only found up in the presence of Jesus. If we want peace, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. If we want peace, we have to trust. Even when it seems impossible and heavy, even when it feels like it's going to crush us, we serve a God who made a highway through a sea and made springs of living water flow out of a rock. We serve a God of impossible. And if he wants to, he can make a way. And so we trust him. But we don't miss out on the deeper work, the lasting work, searching for the temporary fix. We're going to be people who chase peace. We're going to be people who chase the prince of peace. And not just calm. So Father God, would you forgive us for the times when we too have looked at you and said, that's not what I asked for. I asked you to fix things. And instead you fixed me. Forgive us for those times where we have boiled peace down to something so cheap and missed the miracle of you. We chase after you, our Prince of Peace. We fix our eyes on you, the source of all peace. Forgive us when we forget that this is not our home. Forgive us when we treat the temporary like it's eternal. And we give the eternal a pantsing glance as if it's temporary. Forgive us when we've forgotten your faithfulness and trusted more in ourselves than in you, our provider. We seek you, Prince of Peace. We trust you, Prince of Peace. We trust what you're doing. Even when our eyes can't see, we trust that you are working all things for the good of those who love you. We trust your timing. We trust your answer. 
even when it's no, because you're good and because you know all things and you see all things. So when life feels heavy, when we're afraid and anxious, will we be quick to cry out to you? And as your shadow fills the doorway of our prayers, would you remind us that we're secure in you and we have nothing to fear for you've never abandoned us and you're always near. Thank you.